Welcome to the Empower From Within podcast presented to you by Trezal House. I'm your host, Jessica West, founder, author, speaker, and coach. Every week on the show, I share an inspiring interview with an incredible entrepreneur, author, healer, or change maker to tell their empowering story. At the end of each episode, I highlight the key self-empowerment takeaways to help you discover the limitless power you have within yourself to reach for your greatest desires and create the life that's truly worth living on your terms. I'm so happy to have you here with me today and together, let's go within. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Empower From Within podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy today's episode and that you subscribe so that you can join us every Wednesday when a new episode is released. Today, I'm speaking with Emily Sander. She's a C-suite executive turned leadership coach. She founded Next Level Coaching, where she helps business professionals step into effective leadership through one-on-one coaching. She's written two books on leadership, Hacking Executive Leadership, and An Insider's Perspective to the Chief of Staff, and she also hosts the podcast Leveraging Leadership. Emily is an overall awesome person, and I so enjoyed our conversation, and I trust that you will too. We go deep into beliefs today, and Emily offers her insight and practical tools that we can use to start replacing negative and limiting beliefs with positive ones that can help lead us in the direction that we want to take our life. You're not going to want to miss this. So without any further ado, let's hop in. Let's welcome Emily Sander. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the Empower From Within podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I was going through my calendar today and I saw we were chatting. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the this is a good podcast. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for having me. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, me too. When I was looking over your information, I'm like, I cannot wait to talk to her about everything <laughs> that she's doing and especially your take on beliefs. I think it's so unique and so interesting. But before we get into that, I'm wondering, can you just let the listeners know maybe a little bit about yourself and how you got on this journey as a coach, leadership coach today? Absolutely. So um, I spent about 15 years in the corporate world, in a corporate career. I worked at Microsoft and Amazon. I was a tester for the first Kindle device. And then I worked for a series of startups and small to medium businesses. And that's where I really cut my teeth into leadership and led client facing teams and scaled international uh, client management teams. And several years ago, I was reflecting back And I said, what is my favorite part out of all of these jobs? And it was the one-on-one interaction and mentorship and guiding people. And so I sat there and I said, you know, if I could wake up every morning and just do this, then I would never work a day in my life type of thing. And so I put that together with coaching. And then just over a year ago now, I went into, I left my corporate career and went into my coaching practice full-time. And layered on top of that is me being very, very, very self-critical of myself. And I would have this inner monologue running through my brain and it, and it, I was successful in spite of that. And then I flipped that track over into more positive, more helpful, more relevant things. And um, it became easier. So throughout that whole process that I just described, I was, I was doing some pretty aggressive self-improvement. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I love it. I mean, self-improvement, it's continuing, right? Like we always have to keep it up. But I'm wondering, was there something that like prompted you to dive into that self-reflection process, like in the midst of your career? And I'm saying this because there might be a lot of people right now who are in a similar position, but they need to allow themselves or they're not really sure how to start that self-reflection journey. There were certain points where I, I mostly behaved in a way that I was like, Ooh, that's, that's not me. Or like, Ooh, that's not a good look. I don't, I don't treat people like that yet. I did. And so I questioned, you know, what, what was going on there? What made me do that? And then another big one is after several, after two jobs in particular, I was just burnt out. I was like, I am driven. I'm ambitious. I'm good at my job, but I'm just like, this is, I'm done. And I also had that feeling of, um, you know, is this it? So, you know, when you, when you drive in a car and you get someplace and then you're like, wait, how did I get here? But you clearly were alive and conscious during that process. Cause you were driving. Um, I had one of those and it hit me and it actually scared me. It scared me. Cause I'm like, I could easily fall into this for the next 20, 30 years. And be close to the end of my life and be asking, how did I get here? Um, so all of all of those types of things really made me pay attention and put some focus in this area and say, okay, okay, how do I want to be intentional about this and do it by design instead of defaulting to what I had been doing, which was not working for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think a lot of us fall into that default mode, right? And it takes a lot. Like you said, you you can recognize it, but then carry on for the next 10 years without actually being aware of it a second time, you know? So like, that's amazing that you had that self-awareness even to be like, wait a second, I don't behave like this because sometimes with what we're doing, if it's like, if it causes a lot of stress that we're not even really aware of, then yeah, we behave in a way that's not really truly who we want to be and show up as, and like make having that awareness is so important to be able to trigger more, you know, self-reflective uh, moments of reflection to be able to create a new direction for your life. Yes. And one more thing I'd add to that is, um, all throughout my career, I was the youngest and, or the, the least experienced in my leadership team or in whatever cohort I was in. And so I had a lot of internal chatter about that and the proving myself and you have to, you know, be work twice as hard and you have to show up for your team and you have to do all these things. And so that was, that was a big part of it too, whereas, you know, you don't belong at this table and like, look at all these accomplished professional senior people and like, what, what the heck are you doing here? So there was a lot of that and reframing, uh, reframing that. And that was pretty much like a hard reset on my, on my brain wiring at one point. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So let's hop into those beliefs right now. Like how did you start rewiring those? And you mentioned something that I think is super interesting. You talk about having interim beliefs. So can you share like what more and if what more Mm -hmm. do you mean by that? And if someone is facing like a limiting belief, like they're seeing it clearly, how can they start shifting that? Yes. So everyone carries around a belief set. So they're wearing a belief set, just like we wear glasses or even a contact lens. And a contact lens is a good example because you kind of forget that it's on yet everything you see and everything you take in is tinted by that lens Um, and so the first thing i i work on myself with and with clients is taking inventory of what beliefs that you have on right now 
Um, and sometimes you have hidden beliefs. And so the way you try to unpack that and decode it is you say, what, what behaviors or actions am I observing or are other people observing? What was I feeling to make me act that way? And then what did I have to believe for me to feel that? For me to feel that. So as an example, um, when I was a, a early executive and I was sitting at that leadership meeting and I was like, I don't belong here. That was the belief that I don't belong here. And so it made me feel insecure and afraid to speak up because I'm like, I'm gonna say something stupid. I'm gonna look dumb in front of, in front of my colleagues. And so that made me uh, second guess or kind of stutter when I spoke or maybe couch what I said, like, you know, I think this, but I, you know, I could be wrong. And like, da, 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 I'm open to other people. I don't know that much about, about this. And I'm just the, you know, the lowly, you know, youngest one here type of thing. And it would literally come out like very, very defensive and very, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll, I'll speak up because I have to. Um, and so the, the opposite of that is I belong at this table. And I and I am on this team for a reason, and I have something important to say. At the time, I did not believe that. At the time, it would have been like Emily on a scale of one to ten, like one being low and ten being high. How much do you believe you belong at this table? I would have been like two, maybe three. And so the interim belief would be something like, um, I'm, I'm learning to believe I belong at this table table or i'm open to the fact i could have something important to say um, do i believe those thoughts 100 percent? yes i'm open to it like it's a possibility um, and i'm learning it like literally every time i go to this meeting i'm learning how to be there and learning how to show up and so for me that interim belief was like a stair step and like okay let me bridge this until i get to the point where I fully believe like, yes, like I am good at what I do. I advocate for my team. I have important information I have to share with this leadership group um, and I'm here for a reason. So it was a, it was an interim step to, to get me there. Yeah, I love that. And I, and I love that it's like the positive affirmations too with it, like that interim belief and, um, it also makes me think of like reaching for the next best feeling thought. And that's something that I hear a lot about too. And it's kind of like, what makes you feel better? Because like what you were saying at the beginning, when you were thinking that you don't know anything at the table, like, what are you doing here? Like, you're not qualified. You behave in that way. Like what you oh, yeah. think about is how you behave. So you're just like creating it for yourself almost. It's like self-generated. And so I love that idea of interim beliefs. And can I also say... Your like the analogy with beliefs, contact lenses, it also makes me think of because I wear contacts. So I know if I wear my contacts for too long, they like stick to my eyes and like my eyes get so dry. And so it also makes me think that like maybe we shouldn't be so rigid in our beliefs and maybe we should be open to changing our perspectives sometimes uh, because there are so many like there are unlimited ways to view one thing. And we need to allow ourselves to be open with that too, if we want to continue growing. Absolutely. And I love that because um, you can have a lens of curiosity and openness. So I'm going to see any situation 
or go into any conversation with just being curious. And that's a that's a hugely helpful lens. Um, but yeah, you can you can switch out your lenses too. So hey, I need a certain a certain perspective for this meeting, or I need a certain lens when I'm speaking with uh, with this person. So I think that's a a good call to have situational lenses, I guess. Absolutely. And you know, some people even wear like different colored contacts. <laughs> you can really mm-hmm. like situational, right? Yeah, I love that. Um, and what about you also mentioned something about the failure loop? And can you mm-hmm. expand a little more on what you mean by that too? Yes. So the failure loop is a framework where you basically turn failure on its head and you rethink about that. Um, So what I say is there's a little chart I have in my book about this, but for your listeners, think of individual loops connected in a chain and the overall chain goes up and to the right. And up and to the right is the direction of progress. So we all, all want to be going in that direction. And the best leaders fail more times than other people try. So the best leaders will say, okay, I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone, put myself out there, try something new, and I'm gonna fail. I'm not gonna be great at it. I'm gonna look stupid. I'm gonna be wrong. um, And I'm not gonna measure up until I do. And so I'm gonna take each one of those failure events and make them into a win. And every time you do that, where you say, hey, I messed up the presentation, or I tried to be curious and I was really judgmental and you fail, you say, okay, what's the lesson and what's the learning from this and apply it going forward. And when you apply it going forward, you've just propelled yourself up the chain to the next loop. And if you think about this, if you do that over and over and over again throughout your career and throughout your life, you are going to be a successful person and you're going to grow as a person and you're going to be better for the people around you. And so I've experienced this myself where I am terrified of failure, especially in front of everybody, to the point where I'm almost looking forward to, oh, I feel that that cocktail of excitement and terror. I'm scared of this. Let me go towards it. Let me go um, after it. And when I have clients come to me saying, hey, I'm scared for public speaking, or I'm scared to speak up, or I'm scared of whatever, we work on their their failure loop and how to get them up into the right. Yeah, I love that. And it's like getting out of your comfort zone, right? When people start feeling that fear, like that's kind of the sure direction, like keep going so that you can grow and expand. And, um, I think too, like if we don't, I mean, basically we learn through error, right? So that we know how to better like improve ourselves later on. And so failure is actually a good thing. You know, I heard something that like, no one's ever really a failure. You're only ever a true failure. If you decide to quit, you stop stop. what it is that you're doing. Exactly. But if you keep going, then it's just a learning opportunity and you're getting better and better and better getting so much more like knowledge under your belt and that's what life is all about isn't it (laughs) yeah it's progress i mean people say you know what makes me fulfilled what makes me happy uh it's progress studies have shown that if you're making progress in anything we are you know we're excited and motivated by that and so you know learn to fail in the right ways in the right places so don't i'm not talking about failing by being lazy or, you know, not doing the work or anything like that, but putting yourself out there and being new at something and then seeing progress is awesome. 
like that makes you awesome and people are drawn to that and people who go out and and step out and try new things people like to be around people like that also i think you mentioned this but the more you do it the easier it'll it'll be like anything else the more you practice that the easier it'll be and that also so if you're like doing public speaking and you fail and you fail and you learn and you learn and you get better you will get better at public speaking you will also get better at failing and you will also get better at going up the failure loop and you'll be able to apply that to different things you're right yeah absolutely you know it's it's making me think of like when we were kids and we tied our shoe like how many times did we fail making those like two bow loops, you know, but we didn't really see it as like a failure. We seem to be almost like less, um, well, less open to failure as we grow older. Right. But when we were kids, like we were all for it. (laughs) Yeah. And we didn't didn't care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Also, I mean, I mean, to your point, kids are a great group to learn from because they're so in the moment and they're like, Oh, I fell, I fell down. And like, I'm going to dust myself off. And then they're running around again, like crazy the next minute. And so if we can, um, you know, if you, if you think about like a kid learning how to walk, they fail all the time. They fail all day long and no one comes up to their mom and goes like, Oh my gosh, like, uh, I'm sorry, but your kid is failing over here at walking. No one says that because they're learning how to walk and they fall down and they get up and they learn something. They're like, Oh, like don't step too far or don't step too short or don't shift your weight like that. And they learn how to do it. And then they walk. So in the same way, if we can just, you know, have a, have a short-term memory with, with the bad stuff and take the, take the nugget of learning, then uh, we'll be on our way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And can I just say, even failing as an adult, people aren't really looking at us either. Like people aren't really looking <laughs> and pointing their fingers and saying, you fail. Like that's mostly just us in our own heads, isn't it? Absolutely. And I will say most people are for you. Most people are neutral to for you. Um, there was this great quote, I'll see if I can get it right, but it says in your twenties, you're really worried about other people's opinion of you. You're really worried about doing things in front of other people. When you get into your forties, you start to care less about what other people think. You're like, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I kind of can take you or leave, uh, take you or leave you. And then in your (laughs) sixties, you realize that no one was paying attention to you the whole time. (laughs) That was just in your head and, and you're free to do whatever you like. So I think that's true because, you know, people are in, people are this, are the stars of their own story. And so they're not, you're a secondary character. You're not, they're not really paying attention to you as much as we might think. Um, and if, and if they are, then they're wanting you to, to do well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I like to think about it sometimes because if I get worried about like, oh my gosh, are you going to see me fail? Things like that. I ask myself like, well, do I really care if someone messes up? Like, no, because I'm so busy in my own life. And so if that's mm-hmm. true for me, it's probably true for most other people too. Like I'm not the only one that feels that way. Right. So if we kind of check in sometimes, then we can get perspective and realize that like everyone's busy, <laughs> you know, processing <laughs> their own lives. <laughs> so, 
So, you know, also this thing called the spotlight effect where like you imagine a spotlight's on you. So every little tiny thing you do wrong, like, oh no, like everyone saw that. And really like no one noticed, like no one, no one knew that you were supposed to give the speech that way, or no one knew that you were nervous or didn't say it like you wanted to. Um, So understand that, just know that you have a bias toward projecting a spotlight on you. And most people, they don't even, they don't even see that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's funny how much our internal experience can be different than people's external experience of interacting with us or watching us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you say that, you know, when you're doing a speech, nobody else knows the script. And that's something that I, that I'm practicing right now too, <laughs> that like, if you mess up, it doesn't matter. Nobody knows what it is that you're actually supposed no to say, knows. except for you. So just carry on like natural, you know, keep your confidence and people seriously won't even notice. Yeah. Unless you raise the flag and say, Hey, I messed up here. They're like, you, you did great. Like I, I didn't see that. And also, you know, if someone knows that you're working on something, like you're trying to get better and trying to progress, oh my gosh, they're going to rally to you. Like, even if you stumble a little bit, and even if they notice they're going to rally and encourage you. So if you just tell people like, Hey, like I'm doing this new thing and I'm trying this out and I'm kind of new at it. And here I go, people are going to be uh hugely supportive of you in part because they're like wow she's like doing that i wish i could do that but i'm too scared but look at her go and they'll encourage you Hmm. right you know i think life is a lot more positive than we tend to think when we're stuck in like our own heads and some of our own limiting beliefs but life is a great place and you're absolutely right everyone really wants to encourage us and lift us up to lift everybody else up. Yeah. And I know you talk about this on your show, but the the notion that we are not our feelings and we are not, we're separate from our emotions, which is much easier said than done, especially when you're in the heat of the moment on something or like, oh, I'm really angry or I, I feel terrible about myself. Those are really strong emotions and reminding ourselves that we aren't that. And there's lots of analogies you can use for that. Like it's, uh, we are the sky and the emotions are like weather systems. Sometimes it's sunny, sometimes it's cloudy, sometimes it's raining, sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cold. Um, and you can also put your emotions, um, you can you can label them and label that story like, oh, this is, this is, you know, the Emily gets nervous for public speaking story. Okay, I see that for what it is, but I'm gonna choose to not engage with that as closely as I once did. And if you put, if you label it and you put it at arm's distance almost, you can like look at it and point at it and deal with it. Um, Then you create that space where you have a choice and you're like, okay, I'm going to decide to be nervous because I care, or I'm gonna decide to like discard that and and put it in park and go be awesome. So those are, those are good reminders for, for us to have as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is making me think of self-leadership. And, I, and I've talked about this before on the podcast too, but in order to be a leader for, for anybody, we need to be able to lead ourselves as well. Right. And I just got thinking about that because to be able to allow ourselves to like identify that and to be like, okay, these are my feelings. Like we really have to start, um, I mean, leading ourselves basically is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and so how, how important is that? And like, what are ways that you think that people could start self-leading? 
You're so right. Yeah, we're the CEO of our, our lives every day. So I work with business leaders, but we really lead ourselves and our family and our community and everyone um, every day. And it reminds me of self-care because people always say, oh, it's so selfish to take care of myself. It's so selfish for me to take time to like rest or recover. And really you are underserving the people around you if you don't do that. Like that's part of your job as a leader. As a business leader, you have to take care of yourself because your decisions and your interactions with other people are your currency. Those are two big elements of your leadership. And if you're tired and if you're stressed and if you're making low quality decisions and you're being a jerk to people, you're not serving them well. So I think making sure we know that um, when we're taking care of ourselves and when we're leading ourselves and when we're unpacking our belief set and saying, oh, that belief does not serve me or maybe that belief doesn't serve me anymore. Maybe it did as a kid or whatever, but now it doesn't. Let me really be proactive and intentional about the lens I'm wearing. That not only helps you feel better, but it also helps everyone around you because you're showing up so much differently. Yeah, absolutely. And that's becoming, I mean, something that I say on the podcast a lot, like, I feel like it's a really hot topic now, the importance of that self-care and filling our cup first, because we cannot be of greatest benefit to others if we're not coming from that full cup. So do you have any, like, what do you do to do that self-care so that, you know, you are properly leading yourself before you can go and work with your clients? Yeah, so a couple things I do throughout the day. So one, I set time aside in the morning and I'll like meditate or journal, just kind of get grounded and get present. Um, I used to really <laughs> poo-poo that and be like, I don't have time for that. And once I started doing it, I'm like, oh, everything's better. Okay, let me do this, let me do this more. And so I really take time to do that. Sometimes I'll read a quote or I'll read, you know, an inspirational story or something like that, just to kind of get me in the right mindset. I find that just getting centered and grounded at the beginning of the day sets you up well. And then also if you need to get that positive affirmations or mantras or whatever works for you, maybe if it's even an inspirational picture, but just getting yourself set for the day in that way is important. Um, and this can be anywhere from, you know, if I'm short on time, this can be like 90 seconds to, you know, half an hour or 45 minutes if you have it. So doing that, I take walks. So it's summertime right now and I get up and walk around the block. Um, I try to do it three times in between calls and in between things. Um, if I don't have time, I'll get up like out of my chair and stretch and just do a couple stretches because you know, you know, we sit and we crunch over and we get really tight and our muscles get tense. And of course that affects us. So uh, making sure your posture is good and just, just getting the blood flowing any which way you can. If you wanna do some jumping jacks or some stretches or whatever, um, that's helpful. And then I will be pretty self-aware about how I'm showing up. So I'll do that, that reverse engineer of action to feeling to belief. And I will say, okay, what type of leader do I wanna be? Oh, I wanna serve other people. I wanna be really present with people. I wanna be inspiring and motivating and empowering to people and set that as your intention. Okay, if I have that value and I have that belief, how do I need to feel or show up to, to do what I need to do? And then what action do I need to take to put that into the world? And so those are some of the things I do to, take care of myself and ground myself and then 
you know, set that, get my values straight, get that belief set in there and then manifest that into, into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really do like that looking at the reverse of it and going backwards and being like, okay, how am I behaving? How am I feeling? What is the belief behind there? I think that is so, so powerful. And like, what a great, uh, self-awareness exercise. And as you were saying, like, I, I'm totally like you We're in the beginning too, <laughs> like having a hard time taking that time out in the morning because I'm like, no, I have a really busy schedule. Like I don't have time right now, <laughs> but then I often think of that, that quote where it says, you know, meditate for 10 minutes every day. And if you're busy, meditate for two hours because yes. it really has that great of an effect. And so we really need to come from that place of fullness because then our work is so much more effectively done and we're so much more productive and we're so much more like we're happier and feeling better and like you were saying like when we're all tense and things aren't flowing like nothing is flowing in our life I couldn't agree more and the two things the two biggest things I get out of that are one I'm more present meaning I'm actually in this room talking to you right now versus I'm blaring through the day and it's like, such a tunnel vision. And I'm like, how did I get here? So actually experiencing your day and experiencing the awesome things like, you know, talking to cool people in your day. So that's one thing it gives me. And the second thing it gives me is uh, greater clarity and resilience for tough situations. So if I have, oh, here's a fire, here's something unexpected, here's a really tough conversation. I almost see that in slow motion now. So it's like, okay, I have enough awareness and presence of mind where, okay, I see this approaching and I see this happening, but I'm able to deal with it in just, just a different way. It has a different texture and tone and speed to it versus before it like hit me and oh my gosh, like, oh no, I'm in this really tense, really uh, fraught situation. So it kind of reminds me of, of like Neo in the matrix when he can slow down the bullets and he just puts his hand up and the bullets stop and he can see them for what they are and he can do, uh, he can make them drop to the floor. So I almost see like, oh, all these really strong emotions or these really tough events coming at me. I can just see them. I can stop them or slow them down and deal with them in a much better way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like these mindful practices really just tune you into the moment and tune you into who you truly are, like the essence and core of your being. And we are like limitless, you know, we are worthy right where we are. And so I feel like the more we tap into that, the more we can handle the outside circumstances and the situations because we're coming from that place of wholeness. Another, another, takeaway people can do is raise your baseline. And what I mean by that is a lot of us are self-critical. And so we kind of default to, I'm not good enough. Um, I don't belong here. And so you almost have to counterweight that. And what you can do is write down some affirmations or some beliefs that you want to have. Like I'm limitless. You know, I, I can do things um, that seem impossible. I can get better at that type of thing. Write those down and then maybe in your morning practice, say those out loud or write them down again, because sometimes saying them out loud and hearing them gets into your brain differently. And then also writing them, you know, handwriting them uh, gets into your brain differently as well. You can put them on your phone, you can put them as reminders, you can put them as a screensaver, but basically surround yourself with those. And so you raise the baseline of, of how much you believe those and how much those are present for you. And you'll really, 
uh, after it might not happen the next day, but after a couple days or a couple weeks with this and you raise your baseline, you will automatically show up at a higher level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I might also add that you could have take those affirmations and then record yourself saying it. So then you can loop <laughs> it back in your ears multiple times. So day. add a little bit of music for ambiance in the background, if you like, that's what I did. So I then it. whenever you feel it throughout the day, you know, if it's a quick, like one minute recording, you could just like pop that in your ears and kind of have like that reset and then resume whatever it was that you're doing, but you're coming from that other energy state to be more like in flow. I love that. And I love doing it in your own voice. It reminds me a long time ago, I had the a series of three mantras I wanted to say. I found someone on Fiverr and he was from Australia. And so he had a cool Australian accent. And I was like, can you read this? And he was like a voice actor. And so he read the script I gave him with some background music, like you said. And I literally, when I went into this meeting um, or when I felt this certain way, I would listen to that on my phone over and over and over again. So yeah, that's a, that's a great that's one. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. You know, I'm glad that you, I never thought about a voice actor. I was just going to do like you know, like the Siri voice. I'm like, that's a little creepy though. <laughs> so, but, but I know that there are some people that maybe you don't really like your voice at this point. Like, I feel like it, that sometimes takes a little bit to get comfortable with your own voice, you know, on record. And so that's like the perfect way to start, just get someone else to be able to record it for you. And then I think you slowly build that kind of like relationship with yourself, that self-acceptance, that self-love to really just end up like, loving the sound of your own voice. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. And at, the beginning, to yeah. <laughs> at the beginning, you might be like, I don't sound very empowering. Like I'm limitless. But after a while, once you hear it, maybe in a cool accent or with some empowering music, then you'll get to the point where you can do your own recording and it is in your own voice. So yeah, that's, that's funny. I love that. Yeah, exactly. And when it is, then you can record like on a regular basis. I mean, I've been doing this for, for a little bit now recording myself, but I have to honestly revisit it every month because every month I feel like there's significant changes in like my inner world. And so then I have to re-record it and it's like a total different energy. And I always add like different kind of affirmations. And so it's a continuous thing and you're forever growing. And it's even so amazing to be able to see your first recording, like day one, two, you know, a year from now and just listening to the change in your own voice, it's just incredible. Then you can really witness your own transformation. I like that one. So like definitely, you know, get the, get a voice actor if you want, but also record your own and maybe just keep it. So in three months time, six months time, a year's time, you can go back and listen. And most of the time you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I've come so far. Oh my gosh. Like how timid did I sound? But that's a great one. I love that. So it reminds me when I when I listen to some of my first um, podcast guest spots or podcast host episodes, I'm like, ooh, that's different. I sound different, and I'm I still have a ways to go, and I'm always trying to find ways to improve. But I can look back now and say like, okay, I have I have come quite a ways. So I love that. I love that idea. I love that example. And another thing you can do with the um, interim thoughts is you can say, okay, how much do I believe this positive thought today on a scale of one to 10? And it might be like a two or three. Okay, so work on your interim beliefs, work on your interim thoughts, maybe check in with yourself a month or three or six down the line and score yourself again. And you might be like, oh, like, okay, I'm not all the way there yet, but I'm probably at like a five or six now. 
all right, well, you've moved from a two to three to five or six. So you've made progress and keep going. I can, uh, I can look back at some of, so I write down my, my beliefs and my interim beliefs. I can look back at some I had five years ago and I will literally laugh out loud because I'm like, you worried about that stuff. Oh my gosh. Like how laughable, how funny is that? I don't even pay that any mind anymore. It's like, that's so small right now. I can brush it away. So just seeing that it gives me a lot of encouragement and motivation now because I'm like, okay, what's hard for me now in a year from now, in you know, two years from now, if I keep working at this, I'm going to, I'm going to pay that no mind. That's going to be no big deal for me. Right. Exactly. Like how empowering is that? And then you're right. You're building like a stack of evidence in your and proof in yourself that like you are getting better and better every day. That's amazing. I love that. Yes. And when you mentioned evidence, so our brain, our brain, first of all, is our tool. So sometimes our mind runs us, but in reality, like it's a tool and it's our ally to be used. And our brain, if you set the intention, with your belief or value, it, its job is to look for evidence to back that up. So if you say I'm limitless, it will go, okay, like she's limitless. Let me look for evidence and look for data points that prove to her she's limitless. And so your brain will actually go out and collect those things. Of course, it's the opposite. If you're like, I'm no good and I'm a loser. Well, okay, let's find ways to prove that she's no good and she's a loser. So, um, you know, set your brain in the right direction and it's powerful, man, it's powerful and it'll do its job for you. So set it up well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you said that. And and it's true. People say that our brain is comparable to like a program. It's like a computer and what you input into the computer, it is going to shoot back out for you. And so you really want to be aware of what it is that you're programming because you're right. It's like a goal seeking mechanism. It is looking for what you believe <laughs> and what you input into it. And that's kind of how we're creating our reality. Yeah. And we are creating our reality kind of um, like a computer program it runs in the background almost so like it you know it boots up and a lot of it's running in the background on on autopilot and so a lot of times we're like well i don't even know what i believe or i don't even know my intention because it's all on autopilot so um which is good for most things right because like you don't want to have to think about breathing or like walking like right foot and then left foot and then right foot again so our brain's trying to help us but with these things being on autopilot you want to make sure you have a vote like, hey, did I vote on that belief? I don't think I did because I don't like that one. So make sure you're in charge of uh, setting the, the filters up, setting the program up, setting the lenses up, whatever you want to call it, and then have your brain whoosh, work through that and work for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. This is all like so interesting, but mm -hmm. I want to make sure that we have time to talk about your books right now. So you have two books out. Do you mind sharing a little bit more uh like about those with us certainly so the first book i wrote is called hacking executive leadership and it was i wrote it during during covid and i said hey i have all these frameworks and tools and strategies that i've seen work for myself and i've seen work over and over and over again with my colleagues and with my coaching clients let me get these down in a book to just get it out to more people and so it's it's pretty tactical and practical you have things like the failure loop you have things like the contact lens um, and belief set like that so if you found those helpful you can get the book to to go deeper into that and learn more of those and then the second book i have is called an insider's perspective 
to the chief of staff. And so the role of chief of staff is something that I held and I was the right-hand strategic partner of our CEO and executive leadership team. People might know it from like politics or you know the, the chief of staff to the president of the United States, but this role is becoming more and more ubiquitous and more popular. And so I thought, you know, there's not there's not a lot of understanding around it. And I think the role is being underutilized. So I wrote a book about it. And it's obviously good for current or prospective chiefs of staff or executives who might want a chief of staff on their team. But it's also cool just to learn about this type of role. And there's elements you can take from the chief of staff into pretty much any role um, you have. So that's that's uh, out there too. It was just released this year. Great, very cool. I mean, I'm gonna be totally honest. I have never really heard of chief of staff before. Yeah. <laughs> do you mind? Do you wanna just let us know quickly? Like what, what is that all about? Yeah, so it's typically the right hand partner for the CEO or another senior executive. And there, there's no one kind of chief of staff, which is why it's tricky to explain. It's kind of like a combination of Swiss army knife and SWAT team member. So you send in like your chief of staff for, you know, this part of the business, finance or this part of the business, operations, or hey, we need a cross department initiative and we need someone to spearhead that, like chief of staff go. When you need stuff like done quickly, behind the scenes, done efficiently, you send in a chief of staff. So um, I worked on uh, large company-wide initiatives for long periods of time that involved multiple stakeholders and multiple leaders. Um, I kept our CEO sane, which I joked like my part of my job is to keep our CEO sane, which in turn helps everybody else. So I make everyone's lives easier in that way. Um, and you, you pretty much keep the executive leadership team focused and prioritized and you kind of rinse and repeat that. So are they focused? Are they prioritized on the right things? Oh, someone's going off the cliff here. Come back, come back. We need you here. So everyone's moving in the same direction. The chief of staff, as the name indicates, it's it's taking care of the staff, namely that leadership team. Mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. Well, thank you for sharing everything, all of your experience and all of these these amazing ideas. Like I said, I've never heard of, you know, beliefs being put that way. And I just find it really so interesting and like very practical. Like you can take action on that today and start gaining like that self-awareness um, is what I believe. So thank you for sharing all of that. Before we wrap up, did you want to let everybody know where they can find you and where they can get a copy of your book if they're interested? Absolutely. So my books are available on Amazon. So you can find them hacking executive leadership and an insider's perspective to the chief of staff. And then you can you can get in touch with me. Um, I have a website nextlevel.coach. So nextlevel all one word dot coach. And then I'm also on social media. So at next level Emily. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Pleasure to be on. This was fun. This I love talking about this stuff and clearly it's it's in your wheelhouse and it's your jam. So thank you so much for having me on and, and letting me <laughs> ramble on about this stuff. Huh. Like I said, what a great conversation, right? I hope you got a lot of tools and value out of it. Here are today's self-empowerment takeaways. One, regularly take an inventory of your beliefs. Your beliefs are like the lenses through which you see and interpret your life experience. And so you can decide, are they serving you or are they limiting you in some way? Two, remember, your brain looks for evidence of your beliefs to prove itself right. 
And so this reinforces point number one, to take an inventory of your beliefs so that you can make sure that you have your brain looking for the things that you actually want to experience in your life. Three, consider adopting interim beliefs that can act as a stair step to your new belief if it's too hard for you to believe at this point in time. So for example, if right now you don't feel totally worthy, but you want to believe that you're worthy, but telling yourself that you're worthy feels like a total lie right now. And so consider affirming an interim belief to yourself, such as every day I'm recognizing my worth more and more. Start internalizing this belief until you can come to terms with fully accepting just how worthy you are. Four, repeat your interim beliefs daily. You can do this by recording yourself or by writing them. Emily and I talked about it quite a bit today about recording yourself. You can record yourself on, you know, the voice memo app right on your phone and then repeat it, listen to it every day to really drill it into your subconscious mind until you really start to embody and believe it. Once you start doing this and you look back at some of the previous recordings that you've had, like let's say you do it once every month, you will be amazed by the transformation that you can see or hear in your own voice and with what you're saying. It's all up from here. Five, remember that we have a bias towards projecting a spotlight on ourselves. We really have no need to be self-conscious or concerned with what others think about us because the truth is they aren't looking at us or thinking about us nearly as much as we think they are. Everyone is so concerned with being the star of their own life movie that we can really be concerned with being the star of ours and do what truly feels right to us. As always, I would love to hear your biggest takeaways from today's conversation. Please let me know by rating and reviewing this podcast episode on the platform that you're listening to right now, or you can leave a rating or comment on YouTube if you're watching this video form. Also, if you're listening to this on Spotify, please go ahead and answer the question that I had asked within the app itself. If you answer it, I will give you a shout out on the next episode as a way to say, I appreciate you. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And until next time, stay empowered. Thanks for being here. I hope you got just as much value out of today's episode as I did. If you feel called, please leave a rating and review of this podcast and share this episode with someone who you feel would benefit from the conversation we had. It's going to help us reach more people. And this is just one way that we can all help empower each other from the inside out.